Well, welcome to Do Not Listen to This Podcast. I have a fun guest for today's episode. Why don't you introduce yourself? Yeah, thanks, Roger. Hey, everybody. My name is Carrie Burchell, and I am the president of North Star Coaching. I'm a leadership consultant and uh, leadership development person, but really, I'm the quirky Canadian next door. I live in Texas, and uh, part of my part of my brand is just the Canadian stuff I unconsciously pull out of my hat to engage with people. I was going to say we we knew that was not a Texas accent, so you, you <laughs> so so you've left Canada for the Witness Protection Program of Texas. Is that what's happened here? Yeah, not right. I, I went a, into a, a place. It's usually the inverse going. So. Right. I, I went into a safer place with no guns. That's right. <laughs> there you go. Um, so let's let's you want to just so people know uh thanks for supporting do not listen to this podcast your donations help to feed stray cats and dogs as some of you know the cat fluencer behind this the one who i fed recently passed away that's sad but uh, the dog fluencer is still alive we're, we're, we'll find the dog fluencer this week and i'll get some video up of that but um we have a blast feeding stray cats and dogs from your donations so thank you for that so you, what's good about this episode, you, you had reached out and p- p- proposed an idea about what to talk about. And I'm like, yeah, let's do it. So that's, that's how this one came about. So you wanted to talk about setting goals, right? Well, and really how just setting goals is a bit foolish because in the end goals suck. I can't think of a time when I've set a goal and achieved it in exactly the same way that I thought that goal would play out. Yeah. So why so- why don't you give a little bit of background on why, how you got into the whole thing around goals and then uh, talk a little bit about why you think setting goals suck. I have my own opinions on this and they're in agreement, um, uh, but I want to get your stuff in, in first and then I'll add to it if, if, if I think it's any different than what you're saying. Well, I'm sure you'll, uh, you'll have some brilliant humor to throw in there. So go for yeah, it. Yeah. So some of my high level uh, reflections just about the journey and, and the different paths that my life has gone on really started with this conversation with my partner and I in, in our kitchen in Canada. And we had both been fast tracked in our careers and we felt like we were not positioned to really contribute in ways that we wanted to. And so I applied for a teaching job in the Netherlands and my husband applied for med school. And we sort of said, like, you know, let's let's go with whatever happens. And so I did not get the teaching job and he did get into med school. So we started med school at, and you notice I say, we started med school at 39. That's that's very true for people that don't know if, 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 if you are connected with somebody that is doing med school, you're doing it. Same thing as if you're connected to somebody doing a law degree or a PhD, you're doing it. Yeah. Yeah, You're not going to get the degree, but you're doing it. Yeah, we just celebrated our 28th anniversary last weekend. And I'm wow. like super proud of that because that med school journey was, it was hellacious. Yeah, so um, so I ended up getting a, a principalship in the Caribbean because if you're 39 and start med school, you do not sort of get into North American programs. So we went to, went to the, did the book part in the Caribbean and uh, I was principal. And then we moved to New York City where I taught in persistently dangerous schools doing teaching and leadership roles. And then Detroit for four years where I started my PhD, which is kind of a sub goal and why they suck out of, out of the work. And then um, a year in Baltimore where I wrapped up my dissertation. And then we moved to Southern Illinois from big cities, obviously, even in uh, Canada from Calgary, Alberta. So did all these big city things and then ended up in rural Illinois. Mm -hmm. And after almost six years there, moved to San Antonio recently. 
So when I think through that journey, like there's no way that the romantic notions of med school are what we're living today. <laughs> there's also no way you would map out that journey. Right. You wouldn't yeah. set that as a goal. You wouldn't say, this is what I want to do. So, so, so when did it hit you? I'll tell you, it hit me when I was, uh, when I had my private tutoring business and I was working with kids and I, I saw why setting goals didn't really work for them or the parents. But when did it really hit you? When did it, uh, when did it, when did it click? Well, I, I started having a crisis about not really having a goal mm. when I decided to leave the sort of cushy, predictable, fast, pat, fast paced role in Canada and thought, oh my gosh, I have this open landscape. Like I've left the mold of, I'm an assistant principal. I'm going to be a principal. I'm going to be a director. I'm going to be a superintendent right. by 40 or whatever. A path, crazy. A, a path yeah. that's kind of outlined for you just by the nature of the beast. Yeah. Right. That's right. right. And that path arguably were the goals. Sure. Right. And so I, I found myself in this like panic of moving to the Caribbean. I'm not a lay on the beach gal. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I applied for that principalship job and got it. And, and that was a very different principalship experience and the administrative stuff I'd done in Canada. And so, 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 so that, yeah. that's where it started to click with you that, Hey, um, I, if I set a goal and I don't hit it, what happens? Right. Yeah. So thankfully, as we were leaving Canada <clears throat> and my mom, uh, bless her heart was, was saying things like your husband's having a midlife crisis. And are you sure that you really want to do this? And in retrospect, you know, she might have a point. <laughs> and so <laughs> but even, all this but here's the thing, even with a midlife, it's like, so what they're having a midlife. Good. That, that means I got another half a half a life. Right. <laughs> life crisis. Right. So, so everyone pretty much around us is like, you have fallen on your head and we're like, Oh, you know, we want to shake things up. We're too comfortable. Uh, and, and that really you, had me sort of, I, I, sorry to interrupt, but you just hit on something that I think is really important for people to understand is that if you are setting out to do something and the people around you are telling you that it's crazy, all they're really saying is it's crazy for them. Yeah. They're not saying it's crazy for you. So don't, don't take it personal. They're just there. They couldn't do it. Yes. Very true. And yeah. And couldn't do it. Like, I don't know if it's courage or security or, you know, what some of the factors yeah. are. It's funny. I mean, I moved, I moved from uh, Columbus, Ohio, right out of college to Los Angeles with, mm. uh, with $345. I knew two people and a car filled with stuff that, and I did that in, wow. you know, in 1980. Uh, wow. And, and so everybody thought that was courageous, but I, it wasn't, I just had to get as far away from my family of origin as possible. Yeah. Um, and California was it. And, uh, and, you know, okay. In hindsight, I could say, oh yeah, that was courageous. But I remember everybody would ask me, how did you do that? And I was like, you get in a car and you drive. I mean, you know, yeah. you're going to get a job. You're going to find, there's going to be good times and bad times and all that stuff. But yeah, you can't, you can't roadmap it. Yeah. I think that that's, that's exactly at one foot in front of the other. Like if I, if I think of if goals suck, then what? And really um, some of my yeah. reflections are one foot in front of the other. Like that's, that's the momentum we need in life. It's just one foot in front of the other. 
No, and I think it's a good topic because I do think goals kind of suck because they set you up to fail. Um, mm -hmm. Because you're never going to hit the destination that you think you're going to hit. I mean, right. goals are a good starting point. Hey, I want to do A. That's a good starting point, but it shouldn't be the destination. Yeah, and sometimes the goal is like the catalyst out of the gate. Yes. You know. Yeah, that's right. It's the idea that starts it, but it's not the destination. Yeah. So, so there I was leaving this um, really predictable path in the Calgary Board of Education right. and, and made the commitment to move to the Caribbean, got a principal job there. And thank goodness we have these fantastic neighbors from Canada that we still stay in touch with. And they had a friend whose sister and brother-in-law packed up their entire life into two duffel bags and were like going around the world. Yep. And their, their motto was, if the decision doesn't work out, We'll make another one. Well, that's exactly right. That's the thing. Like, I, I grew up in an environment where I didn't want to regret anything. Mm. And that helped me. That really, really helped me uh, with the first couple moves, right? Like, I just didn't want to look back and regret anything. Interesting. And, and that, um, that did me well. Now, I will tell you this, after you do it the first time, it's a hell of a lot easier to do it the second, third, fourth, fifth time, because, yes. because you know, it will work itself out. Um, right. Yeah. That, and that's it. Oh, go, ahead, go ahead. That's a good point, Roger. Cause you know, when I look back on the journey and, and even still now, like moving to Texas, starting again, there's been a lot of moves in, in the sort of 15 years through sure. and after med school. And my mom in her wisdom, uh, will say to me, so what part of that do you want to give up then care? Like if you're, if you're feeling stressed or overwhelmed or it's another move, what part would you give up? Yeah, that's oh. right. That's what's causing the, the, the stress, not, not the situation. Yeah. And, and she's right. Cause I don't know that there is a part of all of that journeying that I would give up. No, you know, it, it, I am a, a richer, better, deeper, stronger person for it. Yes. Uh, was it easy? Is it going to be easy in the future? I can safely assume not. But I'm going to put one foot in front of the other. Well, you know, it's funny where, where I really drove this home for me, not in my own personal life, but when I was working with the kids in the tutoring business, I mostly was known for turning around kids with ADD or ADHD in about 30 to 60 days. And they would go from being, you know, failing or D students to AB students. And they would go from hating school to loving it. And you know, so all, great. all of it was uh, referral word, word of mouth. My, my moms were the best salespeople. I mean, I was fully booked and ultimately that then took me on to the, the journey of being a private tutor for uh, um, a uh, grandson of the Saudi crown prince, which was a whole different thing, right? You never could have mapped that out. Right. And then I ultimately sold that business, but um, the kids I would, I would say to them, look, here's the deal. Um, if you try to get to here, right? And you do eight of the nine steps, right? Because that's the linear way of life for people. People that don't have ADD or ADHD, they don't understand this. They just go A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Right. Um, What's going to happen if you have ADD or ADHD is you're going to get to maybe seven or eight or not. You're going to get very close, but you're going to abandon it uh, because it's just not that important to you. And that's, yeah. that's good. You just have to know that. So better to not 
do the linear steps. Just get there as fast as you can. Get yep. to the because the goal isn't for you anyway. The 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 teacher setting the goal, the, <laughs> right? The the you know all that stuff. So you know, make it a game. Like uh, you know, the kids would say uh, they'd be very honest with me. They'd say I hate school, and I go good. That means you're smart because anybody sitting in a classroom at any age knows that this is stupid, right? <laughs> yes. And just them having an adult confirming it and not yes. having it. That was like, what, what? And then I would say, they would say like, I, my, my teacher is stupid. And I go, great, that's awesome. Let's prove that. Let's prove that to your parents and to the rest of the class. Let's find a way to show everybody that the teacher is stupid. And then that would become their way in. Absolutely. The buy-in, right? The hook. And I yeah, think, yeah. I think in, like, in my own journey, I had to, I had to find some games like that to play to sort of get through the, the challenges or the overwhelm to get momentum of one foot in front of the other to yeah. find whatever the rhythm was in my life. Yeah. And also too, the other thing is that, um, if you say, well, I want to hit X, then you're missing all the other opportunities of all the other letters in the alphabet. Yes, yes. You know? and, well, which that's is gonna be better than the idea you have in your head sitting in a room because you're upset about something that's going on in your life. It's like, that's- Okay, you, know. you tapped into another life lesson that I carry with me through this journey. So we finished the Caribbean stuff, which is the book part. And then we finished the clerkships, which is- um, kind of the learning on-site stuff. Right. And then we have a chance to apply for residency and can apply sort of anywhere. Right. And, and we thought after two years after the Caribbean that we'd be back in Canada. So, you know, goal not turning out like we thought it would. And we did a bunch of research. So now we're looking at, at living in the States, you know, where, where cultural shock, cultural fit, sure. all this stuff. And so I go to my grandmother's boyfriend so my grandma is still alive at 102. And at the time, her boyfriend was like 97 and they'd flown to Mexico. I mean, they're the cutest little couple. Right. And I these said to kids, he had these kids today, what were, right. these, what were the intentions of that 97 year old with your grandmother? That's what I want to know. No, I, that's a whole other podcast probably. Cause believe me, there was, there was still some action going on there anyways. Yeah. Um, so he had lived through three wives passing away on him and had a really robust career and lived in a bunch of places. And I said, Henry, you know, where do you think we would fit? Right. And this is the life lesson. He said to me, Carrie, so long as you're open, you'll see it. Yeah, that's right. I mean, that's the thing. I think the, the problem, the other problem with setting goals is you close your mind. Right. Yes. And your point about ABCDFG, like, yeah. Had I been after one goal, if I want to get residency in this place, and actually that's, that's a little bit of what happened with the PhD. We thought that um, my partner would get um, residency in Pittsburgh. So I applied to UPIT for the PhD program, got a full ride. Mm -hmm. Then he ended up in Detroit. I cried like a baby. <laughs> um, yeah. Tried to, you know, get into a teaching job in Canada, just across the border. I mm -hmm. thought I could commute, you know, resume some kind of normalcy because by then the um, recession had hit and my work visa was complicated. Right. So I networked my butt off, got into the University of Michigan's PhD program, also full ride after a year there. It was a terrible fit for me. And I wanted to leave and they asked me to leave. It was sort of an agreed thing. And so then I'm out in yonder again, really wanting to do my PhD and continue doing some side work that I had. And a semester later, 
started at the Eastern Michigan University, which is, you know, much lower ranked, excellent fit, beautiful experience, gave me all the stuff that I wanted out of PhD. And uh, boy, that that journey of getting my PhD did not at all go like the goal I had set for it. And I'm way happier for it. Like had I actually chased my goal without being open, right? I would have been miserable. I don't know that I would have succeeded because right. it would have been the brown pig in the square hole. That's right. And I know that everybody that's listened to this podcast up to this point, that is a goal seeking, goal minded, yeah, yeah. anal retentive yeah. type of person mm -hmm. or orderly type of person, their head's exploding and they're saying, okay, well, yeah, but if you don't set goals, what do you do then? And my, I would say, no, they're head, hang on, their head's exploding because we just called them anal. <laughs> well, there's a lot of reasons they're exploding. But I would say there's a lot of reasons why people that set goals snap. But I would say to them, um, look, um, you can't point out the problem without offering a solution, right? So yes, the problem is setting goals. For me, I say don't set goals, set targets. If you, yeah. Because you can hit a target or miss it and, and you'll be happy. What, yes. what, what tips would you give them? What would be yeah. things that you would add to the, so that they yeah. can kind of, you know, so that the, so that they can kind of be on mm -hmm. track. Well, I'll answer that and I'll, I'll give an example. So a lot of the, the coaching work I'm doing lately is really helping people adjust their expectations mm -hmm. and, and reflect on what can you control and give yourself props for that. Not what are your outcomes, what goals right. did you achieve, but really in the mayhem of everything, what can you control? So I, I'm thinking of our transition to New York city uh, same thing, the recession had hit, my work visa was complicated, and I I was spending like at least eight hours a day working my butt off to try to get a teaching job in the biggest board ever. There's like a million students in the New York City Department of Education. Right. And at the time, I was also doing my um, graduate certificate in executive coaching. And our coaching group, because we met, you know, over the six months and stuff, they were giving examples of coaching questions like, um, you know, What's going to be your commitment? What are you going to do to grow yourself in the coaching program, right? And it was the cult, the yeah. cult entry question. Totally. And it was a hypothetical, like, you know, cause for reflection. Well, of course, I'm chiming in on the discussion discussions and in the verbal conversation of like, I am, I am setting a goal that I'm going to leave the brownstone once a day even if it's just to, to the bodega to buy bread. Like I was so yeah. overwhelmed and right. And that's, that's, a, it's actionable. It's achievable. It's, yeah. a, you can track right. it and you can see and something that, when you do it. It's something that I could control. Could I control whether or not the, the department of education wanted to give me right. a work visa? Could I control the crazy neighborhood we lived in? Could I control the gunshots I woke up to at night? All that stuff. No. What was what the, could I control? What was the, the what was the PhD in? I did it in educational leadership. And what did you take away from that? What was, I always like to, a PhD is not an easy thing for people to, be, to do or, you know, or a DBA, a doctorate in business. What, what was your takeaway from that? Yeah, I think, uh, good question. 800 things flying through my head. My, my biggest sort of most pervasive theme that I really more deeply understood out of the PhD is that learning is socially constructed, mm. meaning I couldn't have gotten unstuck in New York. Right. I couldn't have learned how to deal with that overwhelm if I didn't have a social group to untangle it with, right? Like you and I are talking through how goals suck today and right. we're making sense of it for the people listening because we're having this social exchange. Right. So we, we don't learn in, in isolation. Right. You know, we don't learn in a bubble. We don't learn right. me in a book. Like there has to be this exchange. So I really 
yeah. think some of that shaped the, the work That's that good. I do and now in leadership development. Now, I want to ask you the question I ask everybody that did a PhD. Okay. Why does the H not have a self, enough self-esteem to be a capital letter? <laughs> I was holding my breath like it was going to be a, a really... Um, no, no, no. I want to know why the H is lowercase. Right. I, why question. does it not have self-esteem? That's, you know, that's the thing. Uh, but no- hang on, what does the H stand for? Philosophy, a doctor of philosophy. I think the H is small because it's in the middle of the word philosophy. Might be, but I still think uh, it step up. Um, LOL, I mean, all capitals is much better than LOL, lowercase. MD, MD, both capitals. Yeah. Go through a dissertation, you should have enough self-esteem to have a capital H. But that's okay. It's just an yeah. outside looking in. Um, so when I'm facing the imposter syndrome, which still sneaks into my head, I'll think it's because of that damn small H. So yeah, what I always like to say people, <laughs> when people say they're struggling with imposter syndrome, I said, I always ask them, are you an imposter? Right. And you know, they always say no. And I'm like, well, then why are you having the syndrome? And what you need to understand is that actual imposters. Yep. Don't ever think that way. <laughs> of course they, they make don't. a commitment to their impostering. <laughs> of course they have that. That's what that's why con men are good. They make a commitment. <laughs> they make a commitment to the sky is green. That's how that works, yeah. people. It's it's so, not a syndrome for them. It's who they are. <laughs> yes. It's now you might be having self-doubt or whatever, but uh, probably not imposter syndrome. So what would you want people that listen to the podcast to take away? I would, I would love people to slow down to think about what they can control and just little steps to get in momentum to really leverage what they can control. And it's, and it's small. And that's why I say slow down to just see the itty bitty part yeah. of what you can control. And then just that commitment to just, you know, one step in front of the other, leveraging what you can control. Well, that's great. So thanks for coming on the show and thanks for reaching out and asking to be a guest. That was wonderful. Yeah. And uh, I appreciate it. Hey, my pleasure. Thanks, Roger.